Welcome to Creekside Chats, everybody, with David and Ryan. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with David this week. How you doing, David? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. A little bit tired. This bus route's draining me. It's hot weather, and my bus don't have AC. <laughs> it was built in 1988, so the AC is two fans, two little mini fans, and all the windows. Oh, good gracious. So that thing gets hot in the middle 450. of the day. In this four windows rolled down going 50 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep so it i'm good doing really good so how about you you just had a, a a baby moon huh yeah that's crazy to think of it that way but this is our pretty much last trip before little maverick comes along in august which is crazy to think about because we just celebrated seven years of marriage and to be Packing up, leaving the hotel from the vacation, headed home, and I, I think I looked at her and I, I said, "Our lives will never be the same." <laughs> that is could not be a truer statement. <laughs> and uh, she looks at me almost uh, saddened but excited at the same time because we've had seven uh, fabulous years of marriage, and now to moving into this this next chapter of our lives, we couldn't be any more happy or excited about uh, meeting our son. But at the same time, it's a little bittersweet. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is uh, something that uh, we've been together 11 years, but we've been married seven years. And just to think that that chapter of our lives is closing is unreal to us. Uh, but we're just uh, we're very excited, rested and ready for this. Uh, <laughs> whatever's about to come or <laughs> the best we can. <laughs> yep. Yep. You just kind of dive in. You don't know what you're doing. You just hit the ground running. That's right. Well, my job's easy. I'm just the driver. You know, I'm just the driver. I'm here for some moral support. Right. And uh, I'm going to do that to the best of my abilities. That's cool. Well, today it's just you and I sitting here talking. We don't have a special guest or anything like that. But uh, I was thinking it would be good to talk about one thing I've noticed since Nicole and I got down here is One thing I think Creekside Church has done a really good job of is defining what a disciple is. Um, I think people that are are involved in churches are used to going church. They hear that term disciple a lot. Um, And some of them could probably define it really well. But I, I would say more often than not, I've never actually really heard, you know, how do you define a disciple? So um, I was wondering maybe, maybe if, you could talk about that a little bit today. How do you, how does Creekside Church, because it's such a big thing in this church to talk about what a disciple is and what that looks like and what we as believers in the church should be doing if we're disciples. So what what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do make a big deal about this, and the church in general um, makes a big deal about that word disciple. And any follower of Christ claims to be a disciple, but we use that word disciple. And if you were to to sit in a room full of 100 Christians and ask them what a disciple is, you would get probably about 100 different answers. Most people would probably say, well, it's a student or it's a follower or it's a, you know, it's a Christian. You're going to get 100 different answers. Basically, what they all mean is that you are a follower of Jesus, you know, you're, you're looking like Christ, you've given your life to him, but that's a very, very broad statement. So if we tell 
you know, if we tell our church that we want you to be a disciple, well, what does that mean? We want you to be a student or we want you to be a follower. That's very broad and it doesn't get you anywhere. And so what we've done and uh, what a lot of churches around here have done, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel or anything like that, uh, is we've put a target up on the wall and we've said that this is what a disciple is. That if you want to look like a disciple, these are the things that you should be doing or these are the things that you should be being (laughs) or essentially these are the things that you should know about what a follower of Jesus is supposed to look like. Um, Look at it this way. We, We often tell the church that you need to go and make disciples. You need to go and make disciples where you live, learn, work and play. Uh, But again, if we don't have a solid definition of what a disciple is, we put them in a bit of a quandary because we uh, we tell them to go make something whenever they don't know what it is. Mm. We oftentimes say it uh, a little bit like this, that if you work in, in a factory and your boss comes to you tomorrow and just says, hey, uh, I need you to have a thousand whatchamacallits on my desk by tomorrow afternoon. Um, and you look at him and you say, okay, uh, I can I can definitely do that, a thousand of them. Um, by the way, what's a whatchamacallit? And... <laughs> The boss looks at you and just says, um, I don't know. Um, it can be whatever you want it to be. It's, it's this or that. Uh, but I need a thousand of them by tomorrow. Well, we know that Jesus makes that call to us that we're supposed to go and make disciples of all the nations. Um, if we don't have a clear target up on the wall of what a disciple is, how can we then go and make disciples if we don't know what one is? And so um, the way that we define disciple at Creekside Churches, we say that a disciple is someone that's growing in, giving to, and going for Jesus. Uh, this is something that we inherited from our mother church, Church at Cane Bay. It's someone who's growing in, giving to, and going for Jesus. Essentially, a disciple is someone growing, mm. giving, and going. So the three G's. That's right. Yeah. Grow, give, go. It's so easy to remember. Yeah. Grow, give, go. What am I supposed to be doing? Grow, give, go. Somebody walks through the door of our church. What do we want them to look like in three years? We want them to look like somebody who is growing, giving, and going. Growing, giving, and going. Has grown, has given, has gone, and it's it's a continual thing. Oh, absolutely. There's no there's no end in sight. It's yeah. something that goes on forever. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that is our mission as Creekside Church, is to make followers of Jesus who are growing, giving, and going. But not only is Creekside doing that for people that walk through its doors? And I guess once you've walked through Creekside, you're part of Creekside. Um, But it's being able to take the people that have started that process and then they turn around and do it with the people behind them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Your neighbor next door, um, he may not be a disciple yet. And your neighbor next door might not necessarily be able to go and make more disciples or tell people about Jesus, but your neighbor next door can be growing and can be giving, Mm. um, showing characteristics of what a follower of Jesus would be doing. Okay. So we have, we have three G's. Let's start, let's spend this week maybe talking about this first G grow. Practically speaking, someone says, okay, I need to grow. How do I do that? Yeah, that's a great question. How do we grow? Um, and probably the most important question, how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus? Uh, we've broken down into three different things 
that you can do in order to grow in your relationship with God. The first is prayer. The second is scripture or your spending time in the scriptures. And then the third is accountability, uh, being in a relationship where you can share 100% of what's going on in your life, mm. uh, your fears, your struggles, your anxieties, um, being in a relationship where you can hold someone else accountable mm-hmm. too. So uh, prayer, scripture, and accountability. Mm. And that's that's basically the three things that we focus on in terms of uh, of, of how we of how we grow. Gotcha. So prayer. So let's spend some time talking about that because I think prayer with the scripture and the accountability, I mean, it's all super important, but without prayer, without that communication with God, we're kind of, we're dead in the water, you know? Um, so where do you think, or why do you think a lot of people may struggle in prayer or the common person, do you think that they're praying correctly or the way they should, or what does, what does a disciple praying, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I would say that from the very beginning, disciples have always struggled in prayer. <laughs> we see that with Peter, James, and John, they're falling asleep and the most crucial moment of mm-hmm. Jesus ministry, right before he goes to the cross, we see it a lot of times, you know, where the disciples are sleeping or the disciples are even working. Uh, but Jesus withdraws by himself to mm. pray. Uh, I do think that prayer is the, uh, probably the most important thing that we could do as Christians. Mm-hmm. I also think that prayer is <clears throat> unfortunately one of the most missing things in mm. all of our Christian walks and in our Christian lives. Um, Why do you think that is? I think the reason that we mostly struggle with prayer is um, because there's a, there's a lot of different reasons. I think the first reason is that I hate to use this. Uh, I hate to use this as an excuse, but I think we as Christians struggle to block out the noise. Hmm. Uh, we struggle to block out the noise. Um, we really struggle with turning off Netflix. Yeah. We struggle with waking up early. We struggle with seeing the value of taking time away. Um, and so essentially, we, we do a terrible job at blocking out the noise. We have so many things that are pouring into our lives. We're oversaturated with advertisement. We're oversaturated with information in the news. Everything is breaking news these days. We're oversaturated with social media. And so-and-so went out for pizza last night. Um, and and so essentially we have to turn that off, uh, to withdraw in, uh, in solitude, essentially to get away from people, uh, to block out the noise. We're so inundated with, Mm. uh, with noise that we have to block it out. And really we just need to sit in silence. Um, if you, you know, if you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day just to sit, with no phone near you, with your kids, you know, outside doing, you know, at school or whatever it is, um, you will literally change your life if you have time mm-hmm. to to kind of sit in silence and, and block out some of the noise, block out people, uh, and literally turn your phone off. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge huge thing that's missing from our lives today. Yeah, I would, and I think the natural pushback from people with that is. 
well, I just don't have 20 to 30 minutes. And my response, and you and I were talking before we turned these microphones on of, I need some time to rep, take some time. Our response is, you know, so we're so busy. We have so many things scheduled on the books. And if we're being really honest with ourselves, we make time for the things that are important. To oh, absolutely. Us. Yeah. And so if praying and sitting in silence for 20 minutes was really important, we would, we would make that time for ourselves. And I, I completely agree. There's, there's times where spending time talking with God, communicating with God, having that time, that specific time all throughout the day, not just one time in the morning, you know, but all throughout the day is great. But you also have to have that time where you sit, Hmm. you just sit quietly and listen. Otherwise it's a one-sided conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all of us, you know, we, especially as Christians, we get so caught up in doing things for God, mm-hmm. doing things for God. I need to go do this for God. Or I, I need to, you know, show people how much I love them or show them the love of God. Well, that's great. But I think a lot of times, again, as Christians, we use the excuse of doing things for God to cover up the fact that we haven't been with God in a very mm-hmm. long time. Because if we continue to exercise our faith and continue to do this, don't do that, um, a lot of times we can cover up sin in our lives. Um, We can cover up Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, And frankly, we're called human beings, not human doings. And I really think it's it's a dangerous place for our church to be, uh, the church to be, where we're caught up in doing so many things for God that we miss actually being with God. And I use this analogy a lot of times. Uh, my wife, uh, she loves some quality time. Yeah. Loves some quality time. Well, our first year in marriage, uh, I believe it was her birthday. And for her birthday, I remember that I did a lot of random stuff where I think I threw like a, get together with both families and she loves being with family. So I said, check, this is a win. Uh, we did dinner and, um, you pulled out all the stops, pulled out all the stops really. And, uh, I remember at the end of the day, I could tell that something was bothering her. Uh, I remember that we had a great time at the party, so I didn't know what was going on. I remember she had a great time with family and I asked her, so what's, what's going on? What's wrong? I thought we had a great time. Um, kind of selfishly thinking, I've done a great job. What could she possibly be upset with? You were popping, you were popping that collar a little <laughs> bit, weren't you? Yeah, I was popping the collar and, um, you know, uh, yeah, hoping for other things. <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought that I had done a good job and uh, worthy of some appreciation. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I noticed that something was wrong and... Uh, I just had to stop. You know, I had to ask probably about a thousand times, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she finally goes, well, I appreciate all that you did for me. Um, but really, uh, all I really want is just some time with you, just some quality time with you. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about my wife that day. I also learned a lot about my relationship with, with the Lord that day is that, you know, those things are great. Um, serving God in the church, sharing your faith, all of those things are great. 
Um, but it's not where God's heart is. God's heart is in, is in silence and solitude, mm. is in reflection, is in being with him, spending time with him on a daily basis. Mm. So what would you recommend or what would you tell somebody that says, I want to, I want to be a better prayer? Yeah. We, have, we have spending time in solitude. But you've got some, some quote, best practices yeah. for prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the first thing that we need to do in order to pray, um, prayer is, is it's a posture of the heart, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a posture of the heart. We're not writing a letter to Santa Claus. Um, God does own everything, and he's in charge of everything. Um, but it's not just so that we can sit down and ask God to give us everything that our heart desires. Uh, first of all, it, we have to enter into prayer realizing what it is. It's a relationship. It is for us to shut our mouths at times and just sit and listen to what he says. Um, so it's a, it's a posture of the heart. But very practically speaking, I would say that sometimes um, it's good to get away. You know, we live 20 or 30 minutes away from the beach. Um, it's good to go and just sit at the beach. Oh, I love sometimes. the beach. Yeah. Uh, it's good to sit in the woods sometimes. Yeah. Um, without your cell phone, without, you know, the, the thousands of pieces of information that are going to hit your brain on a daily basis. It's good to sit in the coffee shop and just smell the coffee. It's good to wake up, you know, at 530 in the morning just to to be, to smell the coffee, um, to enjoy uh, the presence of God. So just, you know, very practically speaking, those are some things that you could do. Um, I, I really just don't recommend your phone being anywhere near you. Uh, I really don't recommend that at all. Um, but, you know, we do have some some ways that we like to, uh, some acronyms that we like to use whenever it comes to praying, because it just, it helps people in their, in their mindset about, okay, where do I start? And we use the acronym ACTS, uh, just like the book of the Bible, A-C-T-S, ACTS. And this is kind of modeled after the model prayer, the Lord's prayer mm-hmm. that Jesus gives us in the New Testament. Um, but we start with A, which is acknowledge. So you, you stand there and you acknowledge who God is. Remember, this is a posture of the heart. So you might start with something like, God, it's so good to know you this morning. God, you are the king of the kingdom this morning. And I just acknowledge you. My, I bend my knee to you. Uh, this morning, the, the, the sun is shining and you've held everything together while I was asleep last night. Then you move into the sea, which is confess or confession, um, where you want to bring things to mind uh, that, that you've sinned against God. Um, errors in your heart, rebellious places in your heart that you know for a fact, uh, sins that you committed yesterday. Or, and maybe it's not even confessions of sin, but it could be just confessions of weakness. God, mm. I am so weak right now. I'm so tired right now. And I confess that to you, but I know that you are strong. And so you want to move into confession. Uh, then we have the T, which is thanksgiving. Uh, this is often the thing in prayer that we probably miss the mm. most. Um, some of us do well in acknowledging God. Some of us do well in confessing our sin, but giving thanks for the things uh, that God has blessed us with um, so you might pause in that and just say, God, 
thank you that as of right now, every single person that I know in this world is alive and well. Thank you that I have breath. Thank you that there's a shelter over my head. Thank you that the people that I know and love at this point are okay. Thank you for the smell of this coffee. Thank you for the fact that my uh, my paycheck is still coming in. Thank you for the fact that you've sustained me. Uh, so moving into a time of Thanksgiving. And then lastly, moving into what we call uh, the S there, which is supplications or making your requests known to God. Uh, we do really well at this, uh, this supplication piece. Um, God, I hope I get the job next Friday. Uh, God, I hope that I have an opportunity to share the gospel with so-and-so. Um, God, I, I pray for my kids this morning. I pray that you would help them to have a good day at school. You see how we've kind of flipped it on its yeah. head. Uh, a lot of times we start out with supplications. Sometimes never move past it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We never move past God. Uh, give me the give me the boat. Give me the, the transportation. Give me the job. Right. Be with Aunt Sally as she's having her knee operated on today. Lord, I pray that I don't get sick. And really, if we do that, I, I think one of the things um, we're missing out on about 80 percent of uh, of our relationship with God and our prayer life. We're missing out on acknowledging who he is. We're missing out on confession. We're moving out on missing out on Thanksgiving. Um, and we're just making our requests known. Um, not to say that we don't want to make our requests known. We actually see that in the scripture a lot of times where God begs us to make our requests known. I actually see that um, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says those very things. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, well, how you feel about that, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask them? So we know that, that Jesus, God the Father, he desires to give us things. Um, that we ask of him. He, he implores us to then implore him, to then ask him uh, for the things that our heart desires. But we also know that, that sometimes we can ask uh, with a wrong heart attitude. Mm -hmm. We can ask uh, selfishly to have things, um, you know, for God to bless us and so that we can look at ourselves. We see this in James chapter 4. James chapter 4 says, uh, Starting in verse one, he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So there again, uh, we see that God is, is telling us to ask. You, uh, you ask, though, this is what he says about the heart. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or separation with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so there's this idea um, that we could, you know, I hear it all the time. 
Well, I prayed whenever I was 20 years old to get a motorcycle, and God never gave me a motorcycle. So you guess what? <laughs> I guess that God didn't answer my prayer, so God's not real. I'm an atheist right. now. I've actually heard that exact testimony. Didn't get uh, that motorcycle. Yeah, using that that logic to, to quote, disprove God. And uh, that's a terrible thing. First of all, again, prayer is a relationship with God. It's mm. not uh, a wish list that we just hand out. But second of all, Sometimes whenever we make supplications for God, um, we don't ask him what he thinks is best. Um, we ask him for our heart's desire. Mm. Well, you know what? Sometimes your heart's desire will lead you into some into some straight up bad situations. Yeah, absolutely. Will, will lead you into death. And if you truly want God to answer every prayer that you that you pray, um, I think that you could end up in a pretty bad situation because we don't know what's best. He does. And so to kind of sum up that, it would be acts again, acknowledge, confess, uh, give thanks or thanksgiving, and then finally uh, in the supplication piece. So uh, that I think if we follow that method, I, I think that our prayer life will become much, much better. That's that's a really good point. I mean, I think about that um, supplication thing or, you know, it's a big fancy word just for asking for what we want. And I think about it a lot like if with our relationships with other people. Can you imagine if you had a person in your life that every time they came to you and talked to you, they were just like, hey, can I have $5? Hey, can you give me this? Hey, can I please have that? Oh, and we all have people like that. We do. <laughs> and, I mean, that relationship is lacking on so many levels. Like if that's the only conversation you have with that person, it is lacking so much. And, and I think God desires that closeness with us there's he desires that communication with us um, you know he I think he he likes being able to provide those things for us what's best for us um, he wants us to be able to to talk to him and communicate those things and tell him our desires but we also need to glorify him and thank him for the things that he's done and in his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love and moments that um, the Holy Spirit has interceded on our behalf, on our behalf. There's moments that we can see very clearly. And then there's moments that maybe we're not even fully aware of. Um, some of those moments are small. I think a lot of times every day I, I talk about the school bus a lot these days, but, it, it takes up a lot of my brain power, but every morning I get on the bus and I have some time to spend in prayer and, and pray for the kids. And, um, it's typically one of my prayers. It's one of those things where I'm asking, it's like, God, please don't let my kids be too crazy today. <laughs> but if they are, help me to know how to deal with it. Give me ears to listen to them and, and be able to love them and show them grace. And every day at the end of the day, when I'm driving home and I'm still alive, one of them kids hadn't gone crazy or anything, there's a time where it's like, thank you, God. Thank you for bringing me through that. Thank you for helping me be able to communicate with, with these kids, be able to talk to these kids. Thank you for these kids. And so there's, there's moments of thankfulness throughout the day. Um, but I also think about the example in Matthew 6 where where they're asking Jesus, how do we pray? And and that's where we have the Lord's Prayer there, our Father which, which art in heaven. Um, 
something that has always struck me about that prayer, it's broken down to where we're, we're doing all those things that you're describing in that Acts method. But something else in the way he presents it and the way he tells them, I almost hear Jesus telling it to him. It's like, guys, this is actually pretty simple. There's nothing fancy about it. Like all you have to do is pray like this. And, uh, it, it doesn't have to be lofty words. It doesn't have to be this big fancy thing. It just has to be a conversation. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, that's, that's probably the piece of prayer that I think that's missing the most. And you just start off with those words, our father, mm-hmm. our father who art in heaven, but those, those words, our father, uh, if we realize the fact that we have been adopted into the family yeah. of God, uh, with God as our father, it is a, it's a conversation that we're spending with our father who wants what's best for us, who knows every single thing that's going on in our hearts and in our lives, who knows how we're inundated with information, who knows every single thought that we've had. Um, you know, prayer is... And I hate to say it because I don't want this to come across like it's mysticism or any anything weird like that. But but really, this is a time where we get to re-embrace who we are and who our identity is. We get to preach the gospel to ourselves in our prayer time that, yes, I fail. Yes, I am weak. But I get to talk to God mm-hmm. and I know who I am and I know who's I am. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just as simple as, as you just made it out to be right there hmm. you know, that we see in the Lord's Prayer. Can you give, um, maybe give an example of a time in your own life where you've seen prayer answered? Might be a small story or, it, you know, I think as humans, we tend to like to hear the big crazy, I needed... $500,000 and there was a check nailed to my door type of story. But um, maybe give a story where you've seen prayer answered, even if it's something small. Yeah. Wow, man. Um, well, getting into church planting, um, one of the best things that I started very early on was I started prayer journaling. And actually, it was probably something that I did before I started church planting. Um, and if you're so, unfamiliar with what uh, prayer journaling is, uh, my prayer life kind of looks a little bit different each day. Some days I pray uh, on my knees with my nose in the carpet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, some days I pray, you know, just kind of seated in an in upright position. Some days I pray by writing down a prayer or a long prayer in a prayer journal after I read the scriptures um, I will take and, and write down a prayer. And it's generally pretty long. You know, whatever's on my heart, whatever's on my mind. I don't like to make a law for myself when it comes to prayer. I don't like to say, okay, this is the way that I have to do it. Um, I generally, like you said, it's a relationship. So I do what what I feel like that day. Um, and, and it generally looks like prayer journaling. And so I have two or three prayer journals that are able uh, that I'm able to to look at that are just completely filled up from two, three years ago. And from time to time, I will go through those journals and uh, take a look and 
see some of the wild and crazy prayers that I prayed at the time. Um, not all of them were answered, thank goodness, mm. um, but a lot of them were answered. And um, here's a new story, actually, that I could tell. Um, new story that I've that I've been praying over for some time. Um, as most people know, we we do a lot of ministry in a mobile home park. Um, that's not too far from where our church meets. And uh, I was looking not too long ago in my prayer journal. This is probably about six or seven months ago, believe it or not, maybe even longer. Um, they go back longer where I was asking God, Lord, just give us a person of peace uh, in this particular neighborhood. And if you're unfamiliar what a person of peace is, you can see that in our archives from last week. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, but a person of peace is just somebody who may not necessarily be open to the gospel, um, may not necessarily be open to the message of Christ, um, but they're open to you and allowing you to come in and allowing you to be their friends. They're good soil, essentially. Mm. And uh, our prayer was, God, give us a, a person of peace in this particular neighborhood that we can work through, that we can love on, that will uh, be open to, to the message of the good news. And... I wrote this prayer down for probably about six months straight. And um, we would even go on prayer walks in this neighborhood. And as we're walking, just praying, God, give us a person of peace. God, give us a person of peace. We'd pray before we would even start out on the journey. Pray after the journey. God, for those seeds that were just planted, allow one of them just to spring up some life. And um, like I said, it took about six months. But that prayer was finally answered, and we have a family of peace um, who actually do love Jesus mm. and want to see his good news uh, spread in that whole community. And um, there were times where I wanted to stop praying that prayer. There were times where it didn't feel like we had any, pr- any fruit from that. Um, nothing was being produced. There were times I really wanted to give up and move on. Move on to a whole another neighborhood. Yeah. Know, maybe we'll toss our net to the other side of the boat, so to speak. And I think that persistence in praying like we mean it. Yeah. Sometimes we give these 10 cent prayers and expect million dollar answers. Yeah. And, you know, fast. Stop, stop eating. Put food to the side for some time. Get down on your knees and just beg God, sometimes to the point of tears. God, please move, please. And um, I, would, I remember even going back and seeing in my, in my journal, just in all caps, God, please do something, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation <laughs> you, were, you were at the end of your rope. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's so much of what prayer is, is that we're at the end of our rope. And, and, and I'll kind of sum it all up in, uh, in John 15. This is exactly the heart of prayer. John 15, starting in verse 4, he says, uh, the words of Jesus here, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But get this. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Mm -hmm. And so our 
ability to do things for God comes directly from our ability to just be with God. And our ability to see prayer answered is to, first of all, just to sit quietly in silence and solitude and to abide in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear that apart from abiding in Christ in prayer, in solitude, in silence, we can do absolutely no thing, nothing. Yeah. And so prayer is so vital to not only our being, but also our doing. Yeah, I think of that word, abiding in Christ. Like we say that, and what is what does it mean to abide in Christ, you know? And I think for me, the best way to think about what it means to abide in Christ is to think about, you know, we think in illustrations sometimes. And it's as simple as, I think of my son, my four-year-old, there's some days he's not a big cuddler and I think our, our next son is going to be the opposite of that. But there's, there's some days when my four year old, I'll be sitting on the couch and out of nowhere, he'll just come crawl and sit up in my lap He'll put his head against my chest and I'll hug him. Usually it only lasts for a minute or two. So I got to take it in while it, while it's there. But I think that's what it means to abide in Christ, you know? It's to to just be there in God's presence. Sometimes not saying anything, but sometimes talking to him. Um, and I think, to me, that's the picture of when somebody says, how do I abide in Christ? Following his commandments, yes. Following what he's laid out in his scripture for us to do, yes. But the picture of it is just crawling up into his lap and letting him, letting him love on us, you know, just like I get the chance to love on my son. Oh yeah. And this is, this is the heart of God. This is what he wants to do. Uh, any work that he wants to do through us, it starts with the work that he does in us. Mm -hmm. And I think that God, um, is practically begging to get our attention to just come and hush and sit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good point to to end this week. Uh, join us next week. We're going to explore this topic of growing some more. Um, David and I are going to explore what that looks like within Creekside Church. I've really enjoyed this conversation on prayer. Um, so, yeah, tune in next week, Thursday morning, whatever platform you like to listen through. Just tune in there. We'll see you next week, guys. <laughs> see you next week. Creekside Chats. Thank you.